0: Hello and welcome to the sixth ever episode of God Save the Screen, a British TV podcast hosted by me, Sam Oliver. Hope you had a lovely Christmas, Happy New Year and all that, and this slide into January hasn't been too depressing. Uh, my Christmas was lovely, New Year was lovely, quite wholesome, quite nice Christmas with the family. We want to see a play in London with Christopher Eccleston, which I really liked. Uh, New Year's we had like a Brazilian feast thing, courtesy of my wife, which was delicious Uh, I'd never tried chicken hearts before, but lovely, honestly, would recommend. Uh, A bit like liver, quite tough, but a lot of flavour, get through it, beautiful. Um, So I'm sorry about that, I I do a lot of apologies at the start of these podcasts, it's nothing to work on, but this apology is for the long break, Um, it wasn't intended to be this long a break between episodes. I was intending to do an episode about Vigil, which was the new Jed Mercurio Uh, Or the new season of the Jed Mercurio show, I should say, um, which is sort of a detective show that follows really big sort of geopolitical mass events um, within Britain. Um, And I didn't do it for a few reasons. The main one being I didn't have loads to say. The series I thought was decent. It was fine. I basically just don't think Jed Mercurio's writing suits the answer being oh, it was the British Secret Service, or it was this massive arm of government, or it was these unstoppable super agents. I think the way he writes is just much more suited to the answers being people. That's why Line of Duty was so good at the start, because he completely stripped away the black and white that we usually get in cop shows. And he completely got rid of that because of just the nature of investigating police officers. And he was so good at writing people that got kind of twisted and fucked up. You can kind of see why. And I don't think his writing is anywhere near as suited to the answer being political shit. Um, I don't think it's that well suited to that. So I'd really like him to strip it back and sort of go back to bank coppers and stuff. Um, But I imagine the budgets he's got are too irresistible now. Uh, Not many TV writers get to do stuff with drones shooting people and in all different countries and on... Planes and stuff, and there was. I, I know it's not a real submarine, but still, he has big budgets. It's probably hard to resist. I think his days of Ben Coppers might be behind him, which is sad. Uh, but hey ho. And another weird thing that happened between my last podcast and this one Is the Steelers bring me much more joy than Arsenal, who I will now no longer mention. So today's episode is about Mr. Bates versus the post office, uh, which covers the true story. Of how several hundred sub postmasters were wrongly prosecuted by the post office in a scandal that lasted about 20 years, but is actually still ongoing, so more than 20 years. Uh, and this is a mini series retelling their struggle and their fight for justice. So, this is fucking right up my alley, basically, this whole show. Um, If you listened to The Long Shadow, which was the second episode I ever did, I went on this big thing about how much I loved that cast and how it was like my Oppenheimer. Uh, There's quite a few shared actors and actresses between the two shows. Toby Jones, who's the lead in this, is in Long Shadow. Catherine Kelly's in The Long Shadow and this. Adam James is in The Long Shadow and in this. Sean Dooley's in The Long Shadow and in this. They kind of called on all the stars again. A lot of their big ITV names they get. Um... And as well as that, I'm interested in the subpostmaster case. It's something I know a lot about before the show. Um, so I was really excited to see this was coming out, and it's one I knew I was going to do a podcast on as soon as I saw it, um, for those reasons, basically. Um, I mentioned the cast as well. Um, I just want to say before I really kick it off, I thought Monica Dolan was amazing in this, and I think she was the star of the show. Really. I thought she was incredible. Her part definitely lent herself to it, because she was maybe the one who went through the emotional ring of the most, but she was brilliant, and you felt agonising for her basically the entire time. Um, so just a quick shout-out to uh, Monica Dolan, because she was brilliant. So for this show to work, it needed to have the rage, and I'm going to speak about that a lot, the rage. This show had to ignite rage in everyone watching it. Uh, it couldn't be watered down, or unclear, or... Too fucking la da For this to be worthwhile and to work, it had to have the rage. Um, and I think it did that. So the show starts off very strongly. Uh, within about three minutes of episode one kicking off, you've got the beginning of the scandal, you've got a quite clever reference to the post office being thieves, you've got the computer wearers and the useless helpline and people feeling panicked, I guess, in despair, Uh, You got that all really early on, which is really good. Um, And they do a really good job early on of making the computers really menacing. They've got that kind of, that like HAL 9000 thing, um, or SAL 3000 if you prefer the recess version, Um, where they've got kind of like the silent computer. You just hear the kind of whirring and it ticking. They make it look a bit threatening. And that's obviously helped by the fact that you know what's going to happen. But that's something... That they established really early, which I really liked Um, It started with the scandal beginning And people struggling And you learn about the characters As the scandal develops I think a lesser version of this show Would have had episode one Kind of dedicated to setting the scene And getting all the characters in And then the end of that episode The story sort of develops And one of them sees a a short form of computer or something This doesn't do it, this dives straight in and I talk a lot about episode length, not episode length rather, number of episodes in a show and that being really important. Um, I'm going to do it again because it is. Um, this benefited from being in four episodes. I think if this was a six or seven episode, that would have happened. The first episode would have been much more sort of slow pace, sort of not diving into the actual scandal till the end. Um, but this one, within a few minutes, you're punched right in the face with the scandal with the injustice, with the absolute horror that was inflicted upon these people um, through no fault of their own. This show dives straight in. Fucking fantastic. Um, and as the first episode developed, you had sort of the three main ones. You had Toby Jones' character, who was kind of the one you know you're going to lead it all, Mr. Bates. You had Monica Dolan's, who was the one having the worst time with it, the frantic, stressed, crying on the phone every night. And then you had Neil Miller's character, who was the more sort of serial killer corkboard, string attached to string, drowning in receipts type one. So you had three different people in the first episode, all experiencing the same thing in slightly different ways. But it set us off on a really good uh, path. And the end of the first episode was fantastic because it had me ready to go to war. Um, You know that screenshot from Lord of the Rings where I I think it's Gimli or one of the other fucking magical people? I don't know. Like saying death and like the, that, that's how I was. And what's really impressive about that from the show's kind of perspective is they didn't milk that last bit too much of Toby Jones's speech. There wasn't any like big crescendo of music. He wasn't like he was brave heart up there giving some like incredibly rousing blood and thunder epic monologue. He was still betrayed rightly as like a quite meek and mild man. But because you know about the story and you know what's going to happen and what's happened to these people, just them all being together in that one room fucking gets you going. Um, and it had me, like, Jürgen Klopp fist-pumping to the, uh, to the cop. That's kind of what that got from me, which is great. And I think that happened throughout the show. And I think that the main reason for that, because if you think about the kind of people that become sub-postmasters, you don't get rich doing it. It is kind of just to be a little pillar of a community. You see that at the start with Monica Dolan's character, the old ladies coming in to get their pensions and stuff. It it's a nice little thing to do in a community and you're kind of that's your role and it's just sweet people trying to make a living and help people out. Um and that again ignites the rage. All caps, the rage. Um and that's something I kept tapping into. So the first episode was fantastic, and as the rest of them, I'll sort of do two and four as a as a blob. I was concerned that it would be too much kind of legalese and jargony talk, and the first it would peak with the first episode basically. But the show does a lot of really clever things to sort of combat that and to keep it at a high quality throughout. So I think the main thing they do to keep your level of interest and investment in it, but especially episodes two and three because you know episode four is going to have the big court case and all the big verdicts. In two and three, they add more people in. They add in more characters for you to get invested in and add in their own mini court scenes, because most people or a lot of people watching the show definitely would know very broadly what's going to happen at the start and what's going to happen at the end. But a lot of people, actually I'm willing to bet basically no one, Will have known what happened to the individual criminal cases, so that's a way that it adds constant tension um, in the middle episodes to keep you going. What happened to these individual people that I now suddenly am very invested in? Um, you know the heartbreaking plotline in I believe episode two uh, with the woman Sam who had hideous mental health problems because of this. Then episode three, um, the tragedy of Martin Griffiths, who actually wasn't even the Horizon scandal, he was the victim of an armed robbery, and the post office bastard still trying to fuck up his life for it. Um, they keep adding new people in, and that's the right thing to do for so many reasons, because like I said, it adds that tension, but also helps you understand the scale of it. You're never going to get 555 well-rounded characters that you care about in four episodes, but you definitely need more than two or three. And this show does a really good job of getting just enough characters in that they all still mean something to you, but not so many that you're, wait, who's that? Who was that one? Who's that guy? They get just the right amount of victims of this scandal into the story, and that was really important. Uh, They also did an excellent job of having enough computer jargon and tech jargon in that you felt like it was addressed, but not so much that you're sat there like... Like, what the fuck? Like, no one wants to watch an episode of just timestamps and weird computer terms. We don't know. Because you have to address that. You cannot have the show without that being addressed, because that that's the whole thing. But they don't make it too confusing, and any confusing bits last for 10 seconds. So they balanced that just right, I think. They knew it had to be in, but it couldn't be. No, I don't want to learn coding. Like, show me the show. And they did that excellently one thing i was interested to see was how hard they were going to be not on the post office but on individual people in it the higher ups because it's a lot easier to blame a big institution without pinpointing people so i was interested to see if they were going to be braver or ruder or harsher depending on the perspective um on individual people and how they would sort of attribute the blame um and they definitely i feel went for the approach of willful ignorance on the post office part rather than actual maliciousness and maybe those lines get blurred and Paula Vennel definitely kind of covers it when she sort of knows there's that really good scene where she's getting a kind of softball interview from a radio presenter and then when it's all done and they're walking out and they're off air, he's like oh Horizon, what's up with that? And you just see her face like, like just snap back into press conference mode like it is a very robust system. And it's all fine. Like, you just see the. Just back into corporate slime ball rather than real person. I think they could have painted people as a bit more vulnerable. Very broadly, what they did was post office stupid and wrong, and Fujitsu tech horizon evil without actually talking about any one person in Horizon or Fujitsu long enough that it mattered. It was just kind of broad. Yeah, these weird hackers go in at night and they fuck up everything up and they ruin your shortfalls and all that shit. I think they could have put the hammer down a bit more on the people that caused this. And that's an odd thing to say, because they were so good at generating that, the rage. They generated the rage so well. But you think about the actual people it's going towards, it's going towards the people that I think they've depicted as more naive than evil. And there was no one really in Fujitsu or Horizon they really got at. I would like to see a bit more of that. And while I'm on just the very small amounts of things I didn't like, uh, the Nadim Zahawi cameo, uh, not for me. I didn't like it. It felt very self congratulatory on his part to have him in. Um, I don't really know why they did this. It felt like him kind of... It felt like an advert for him, like a campaign for him. Uh, it felt odd. The other MP, James... Abathnot? Abathnot? The other MP that was in it, that did a lot to help the subpostmasters. he wasn't in it. So why is Nadim Zahari in? It felt a bit weird and a bit wrong. And if you're trying to understand it, maybe having definitely a quite recognisable big MP in it is kind of to show how how it progressed as in how bigger the case got and how Paula Vennell's getting grilled by a really recognisable MP probably is progress so maybe it's that's fair enough but it it gave me the ick that's what i'll say it felt icky and it felt like him saying look at the role i played guys i'm a swell guy vote for me yeah didn't sit right and i think i would have also said this if it was an MP i liked as well it didn't sit right at all not just because i don't like him i don't think it was a good decision to have him actually in i think you could have really had the same thing probably better with a fictional mp or an actor playing him instead everyone says oh that's a real mp wow and then half of the scene's gone you're like oh what was the real mp saying not for me and the actual ending of the show so obviously episode two and three, you get more characters involved and you get the horrific tragedies that happen to people and they cover Martin Griffith's story really well. And the episode four is kind of the big court cases and the quash convictions and they win um, a lot of compensation, but that's a lot less because they've got to pay lawyers and stuff. I think they did things in the wrong order. So in kind of the middle of episode four, you have, they've won £56 million compensation And then there's the, oh, wait, but we've got to pay all these ridiculous lawyers. So it's only 12 million divided by all the people. It was only 20 grand each, which is nowhere near what some people lost. And then about 10 minutes later towards the end of the episode, you have the convictions getting quashed, huge celebrations, hugging, crying, everyone's so happy. And then there's one more scene with Toby Jones and his wife, and then it kind of ends. And I think that's in the wrong order. I think if you have that and I know that would be changing the truth because that's not the order things happened in. But I think if you find a way to have the big celebration moment and then the big back down to earth moment, whether you play with the timeline a bit and kind of a bit cheeky and lie, or you get a different really happy moment so it fits into the timeline, I don't know. But I think what would have suited the story better and what's actually happened to these postmasters is the massive high of the victory and then the back down to earth, rather the the slump than the high. I think that would have suited this better because this is ultimately, I still think, a bittersweet story. They won, they absolutely did win, but not as much as they should have. Some people haven't even got half the money back that they've lost, or and they'll never get back the time people spend time in prison. It is quite a paltry compensation sum for what these people went through and the scale of it and the massive institutions involved. So it is a win, but it's not the win they want. And I looked this up before I started writing the script and recording, and the real Mr. Bates has said the fight's still going. Like, they're still fighting. It's not the end of the story. It's a huge moment in it, and it's a victory that should be applauded, but this is still ongoing. So I would have liked the ending to kind of really hold on to the point and keep the, the rage in it the whole time. But it is right there was that moment of huge vindication. I'm not begrudging it, because, by God, they bloody deserved it. I just think it came too near the end. Because they... It's hard. Because they did expose them. They were vindicated in everything they said. And it's still a win. But I would have liked them to harp on to the fact, really hammer us over the head with it, that... You shouldn't have to fight for 20 years to get half compensation and pay ridiculous laws, ridiculous fees, and all the fundraising. I have There have to be hundreds of you to to win. I'd have liked that to be a very clear point that pummeled me in the head. Ultimately, I do think this show was almost exactly what it had to be. As much as anything, and how much it did ignite the, the rage, it's about ordinary people coming together to take down a behemoth that has ruined lives, and it's about human spirit, really. You think back to episode one, where they're all pulling into this car park in that weird fucking village they had a meeting in, and all the cavalry swooping in in their Volkswagen Passats. Like, it's it's nice. It's about, yeah, it's about human spirit. It's people coming together for a cause, to right or wrong. And I think they cover that really well, how they needed that strength in numbers. But of course, the... Juxtaposition of that is the fact they have the strength in numbers is because so many of them had their lives ruined or at least severely damaged by evil, evil bastards and massive incompetence and a legal system that is completely fucking rigged against you if you're not a massive financial superpower going against another. And I also think this was actually important. This was an important show. It's important this was on ITVX with all these big stars and loads of people watched. I think that's an important thing. Um, And I think that can be an overused term when talking about TV and film, how important and crucial and vital it is. I think people use that way too much. But this is, I think, because I think most people in Britain are aware of the sub-postmaster scandal in some way. Like They're broadly aware that a thing happened and it's caught and bad. But I don't think people really knew a huge detail of what happened, exactly how fucking wrong these people were. And I'm so glad that it's done so well in terms of the ratings it's got and how critically it's been received. Um, people have to know what has happened to these people. And what's still happening, because the conversation they've been given is fucking garbage. And Paula Vells and Angela Vanden are still living their best fucking life. Um can't remember where Paula Venel is, but Angela Van den Bogard's really high up at Welsh football now. So, um, good luck to Wales. And if you look online, I'll just read any reviews. You know, now you Google a show, and instead of actual reviews, you get people commenting on Facebook and Twitter and shit. Usually annoying, but in this case, it's great, because you see the rage. Everyone's fucking raging, and that's exactly what this show had to do. So, Mr. Bates versus the post office, mission accomplished and that is about it you guys thank you so much for listening thank you for returning in 2024 i hope to be back again very soon if you want to see more of the podcast on twitter or just talk to me or abuse me or yell at me uh the podcast is on twitter at gstspodcast. Uh, you can also email us. No one's done that yet, so if you want to be the first to email us, it's gstspod at gmail.com. A huge thank you. Huge thank you. <laughs> like a, That's how big the thank you is, guys. It's huge to Mr. Alex Towles, uh, who edits this podcast, makes it work. Couldn't happen without him. Uh, he's on Twitter at Alex Towles. That's Towles with two L's. And his feats as an editor is even more impressive when you consider that he has hands the size of Stingrays. Impressive guy. That's it from me, guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.